Last time on Geek Force, the squad talked about Marvel's Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac, star of the show, making it work. They dropped some knowledge about Slapgate that's still being talked about, and they talked about and then celebrated the joys of the demise of Bright 2. But see what we're talking about now, today, on Geek Force. Welcome to Geek Force, the show where pop culture rules all. I'm your host, Kat. With me today is the Marvelous G-Squad of Amy, Ray, and Marlon. Welcome back, you guys, to a brand new episode. How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? I'm alive. <laughs> I'm I fought off COVID and I'm, I'm back. <laughs> That's true. Yay! He beat COVID and lived! No ICU for you, Marlon. <laughs> y'all, the, the Rona is still here, y'all. Be careful. The Rona is still out here. and She's looking to get everybody before she raps. <laughs> or she's just multi- she multiplies into other clones. The Rona is That's definitely it. giving me... That's half the squad in a month. Right? Half the squad right there. Ray and I both got it. The Rona right now is the gross sisters. They're going to come for that lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to find you out this slip and they'll come for that lunch money, y'all. So be careful. Be careful indeed. Well, we're happy that you guys are feeling better and staying strong. Um, we have a lot to talk about. A lot happened last week in the world of Geekdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start off with um, CinemaCon, which is like a whole event where a bunch of like big movie production people come together and present the movies that they're going to feature this year and next year. Um, a lot of these movies are or I would say the majority, like 90%, are majorly heading straight to theaters and not having the whole hybrid streaming uh, theater thing like they used to mm-hmm. because it looks like they want people in them seats at the movies. So uh, we have a lot to talk about. Um, I definitely want to start with this movie. Let's all go to the movie. The first movie that, when this movie first came out, I think we were all like, I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like over 10 years ago. But I'm talking about is James Cameron's The Avatar. Or Avatar, not the Avatar, but Avatar, which is blue people, Gotta be right? careful. So, so Avatar 2, what's the title? Avatar 2, The Way of the Water or something yep. like that? Ava- it's just Avatar, The Way of the Water. Water World. That's what it's I'm calling water. it. Water wanna, World. Avatar. Wanna, Avatar. Surf's I want to remind y'all. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I want to remind y'all. The, the original Avatar movie came out in 2009. Yeah. Oh my god. This franchise is sold. The first move to California. That's scary. That is important, Raymond, to say. Yes, the first film came out in 2009, and a sequel is coming out uh, maybe this year. This December. So it's right before my birthday. It's been a grip of time. Happy birthday, cat. It's been a group of time. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be a Star Wars movie, but okay. We have nope. a, a Avatar. Um, so, yes, it's been so many years in the making. Um, this was probably, I would say, the biggest movie announcement that they had. James Cameron was all too happy to talk about it. I mean, he was just in his element, you guys. Uh, if if you if you want to check it out, definitely just Google James Cameron CinemaCon because he had a whole presentation ready. Um he he um he has spent ten years making this movie. I remember reading he had invented he invented technology to make this movie. And I'm not just saying for this one movie, but for the next four because there's supposed to be like five all together. Yeah, yeah. So 
uh, he's been filming and he is still filming. But uh, the Avatar The Way of the Water or Avatar Waterworld, a lot of people <laughs> really, uh, at the CinemaCon, they really liked it. They were charmed. But at the same time, it's like, it's been a while. Like, I don't feel like I still care about those characters. And it, it, and since um, Disney, again, Disney is involved, is backing this movie. So most likely when it does come to streaming, it will come to Disney+. Plus. Um, you see where I'm going? It's like, it's more... Well, no, I just found out who's going to be in this movie. <laughs> oh, go ahead. If you know the cast, go well, ahead. I just know it's like... I'll, the, start with, the I'll start with the nice end of like, yeah, it's cool. Um, Kate Winslet. Michelle oh. Yo, oh. and then let me fully go off the rails and say Vin Diesel is also going to be in the sequel. Shut up. <laughs> Wait, are you joking? Is, is that a joke? I feel like you're punking us. <laughs> I feel like you're punking us, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm reading a Variety article where they're saying that there's going to be new faces to the franchise, you. including Kate Winslet, you. Michelle Yo, and Vin Diesel. What Eddie Fal- Edie Falco is also in this. <laughs> Cliff Curtis and Jermaine Clement. So again, <laughs> but Vin Diesel is the one who I'm like fully gravitating to. I'm hoping. I mean, we know most of them are probably just going to be voices of these blue cat people, but Vin Diesel is basically going to be a blue Groot. <laughs> oh God! No, don't say that. I feel like it's going to be. He's going to be some like you know what. Eaming picture it. There's gonna be some to. talking no, coral. Really There's gonna be some talking <laughs> coral. Ruining my and the coral right is gonna now. be like I see you. Yep. There's gonna be some 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 talking coral. Which thing though? The important thing is Jermaine Clint is a uh, Jermaine Clement is in this, who of course is from Fight of the Concord. So he's gonna yes. do something ridiculously funny. And he's gonna sing, isn't he? He's the comic. He's the comic. Maybe this is that. He's gonna, maybe this is that Maui tie-in. He comes in and says, "It's shiny." Da, 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 da. I, I that too. Okay. But I do think that Vin Diesel. I'm wondering if he's gonna be an avatar or not. And knowing how big of a nerd Vin Diesel is, I fully see him being oh like, "I want to be a big blue person." I want to be. Come on, our big, our big, our biggest geek ever, and he's gonna just be a human. He's either gonna be a human transfer, transform into one, or he's already just gonna be like, my name is whatever, and this is my, you know, my village. Yeah, and sure. I mean, here, the main know? question is, the I guess, the main question <laughs> is, do they make wife eaters that big? Is is the question <laughs> I'm wondering. It's gonna be made out of animal just, skins that are pinned together with, just a you know, full like kelp wife beater shark tooth or something. Anyway, that's who's gonna be in the sequel. This film is already like two hundred and fifty million dollars, but just, already, and this is just one of them. It's just one of them. Oh my god! It's one of these films is two fifty mil and twenty twenty two dollars. And twenty and uh, I mean, I would be very surprised if Disney uh, released like. How they did um, Encanto. Encanto was in theaters for like two two weeks, and then they put it on Disney Plus. I would be surprised if Disney was like, mm, "We need more viewership. Let's put it on Disney Plus like by the third week because it is around the holidays. It is around the holidays. This is what they did for. They just what they did for, for New Year's, maybe movies. not for enough. For wait, when does it drop in theaters? It drops the week before Christmas. Mm, probably after New Year's. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking around that time they're going to put it on the app. So then mm. you have you have your. So my other question is, how long is this movie? Because as we keep talking about more of these movies, we're finding that 
they like to be two and a half hours now. Like that is the new norm of movies, especially if you're coming from streaming the new movies at home. And now you're starting to go back to theaters and you're realizing I should have just waited to watch this at home. AKA Batman was three, three hours. Like, no, I, I would have, I'm so glad I wasted that. Oh, Batman. But a lot of movies, I think even the Marvel movies, two and a half hours, like almost two and a half hours now. Um, I, I know what the first Avatar was like, well, that, that was over two hours. So I am curious if it, this one's three hours. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it would be, it would, it would be fitting at this point to be a two hour long film. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, they're 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 bringing back the old cast and crew. CC H Pounders in this one. I believe she's going to be an Avatar. Uh, it looks like Jermaine Clement. It's a doctor, Doctor Ian Garvin. Uh, Stephen Lang, who played um, like the military guy Miles, he's mm-hmm. slated as returning. So I'm wondering if they're going to do like some flashback scenes. Michelle Yeoh is also a doctor, Doctor Karina Moog. Uh, Kate Winslet, I think, is going to be playing a Navi person named Ronal. Um, Edie Falco is playing a general, General Ardmore. So I maybe she was married to Stephen Lang's character and is back to destroy huh. everything again. And then, of course, you have everyone's favorite. Um, what's his name? Giovanni Ribsy, who was like the eon musk guy we got to get the unobtainium yeah so he's also mm-hmm. back so um let's see what uh, new drama comes up now uh in here of like well we said it they have underwater unobtainium let's get that now i don't know uh but it's worth noting that with vin diesel being in this film this is damn near a fast and furious film because michelle Rodriguez was in the last one so <laughs> If they get one more I fast five like, character in the third one, this, she was. this is going to be a like crossover. To, to prepare for this movie, gonna... you do need to watch Fast and Furious and you need to watch uh, Waterworld because I feel like that's where they're heading. Waterworld, yes. Because it's going to be a clue. I feel like if you watch these movies in advance, it's, there's going to be a clue. And if you watch Avatar, you're like, oh shit, it is like Waterworld. You're going to be like, I'm so glad I watched Waterworld before this. Um, um, and so if you've never watched Waterworld, you know, it's a 90s movie, but it's still a classic in my eyes because it's it's been around since I was a child. So definitely check that out, uh, uh, Kevin Costner and the crew, um, before you see this movie, because I really feel like the, the, the entire Avatar series is based on 90s movies that we grew up on, and they're just taking tidbits, and that's how they make the story. Because that Fever-y. first movie was literally Fern Gully. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Fern Gully. It, it's interesting because I, I think movie. who is it? Like um, the guy who plays Jake Sully, uh, Sam Worthington. He was 30 years old when the first one came out. He's oh 45 God. right now, uh, <laughs> and he oh no. and he even he said, "I don't know how long they're going to keep making these films, but if they don't, but if they, but by the time we get to the fourth and fifth one, I might actually be in a wheelchair before this is all said and done." Oh, they'll no, just recast Sam. them. They'll just recast them and they'll, they'll like de-age or whatever. Because the last one oh, comes out in 2028. That's, yeah, the, the last film is 2028. <laughs> Six years from now? Yes. There's more Avatar movies? So, hold on. So, hold on. Hold on. But is that even going to happen? Because they, like, th- these franchises, this has lived, this is 13 years yes. now. These franchise has been built up on nothing but <laughs> energy for over a decade. And 
I I definitely need to watch the original oh, again so before long. this movie comes out if no, it has any sort of chance. So they have to. I don't know how they're going to convince people to do that one. Maybe that one's not that hard. And then, uh, is it even going to be any good? Because if it's not, it's going to bomb. And then we're not going to get Avatar in twenty twenty eight if this movie bombs. I can guarantee oh, you that way. I Hondo P. We're not going to keep giving it two hundred fifty million dollars like if this movie bombs. If they bombs. wanted to continue mm-hmm. the hype for over thirteen years, they should have done. And I know this is very capitalistic of me, but they should have done is had like a mini series or a book series or something to keep us up to date because it's like you dropped a movie and then you disappeared for 15 years and now it's like now we have two three four five and it's like there's a video game coming out okay it's a video game i was a whole other person (laughs) 15 years ago and you expect me to continue be like okay yeah i'm still rooting for zoe and sam and i'm like i don't know who they are no more i just remember sigoni was my favorite character and i don't remember what she did Remember, her character had a Harvard t-shirt just to show that she still went to Harvard even though she's a blue cat person. She died. She did die. Oh yeah, she died. But, okay. See? But, but she's coming back, I think. That's why I'm like, what do she's, you mean she's coming back? I think her <laughs> and the general are both slated to come back, but I'm thinking it's going to oh be like God. flashback scenes. Like how they like <laughs> always say like, oh, there's going to be a flashback scene or some acknowledgement of that character so they got to like put them down. But I agree with what Ray is saying is that it has been hella long. And I know that I think, again, what's going to make things different, fingers crossed on Disney's end, I know that there's talks to make the Navi World edition of Disney Park to do a tie-in to the movies because they have X or the amount of time. they already have some. But I also feel like it has been so long. A whole new crop of kids have grown up and had other kids so it's like how are you going to reach back in time uh and pull these new kids into this seek and into this franchise so i think they're putting a lot of uh faith in james cameron as a director and mastermind behind all of this and i also think they're putting a ton of faith in the marketing team and uh the disney park team i w- i do not doubt that once this film gets like like once we hit like the middle of summer and we're about to start hitting like back to school time they are going to be running so many commercials and tie-ins on tiktok on instagram they're going to be going crazy to plug this film they're going to find so many other additional disney plus things to tie into it i can absolutely see them doing what cat's saying is like what, what other things are you going to have they might do like some disney plus behind the scenes some disney plus shorts some animated series here and there because there definitely is an uphill marketing battle that comes with the film that came out so long ago like this uh and i it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing James Cameron try to redo <laughs> The Abyss, which was one of like one of his worst movies was The Abyss, where it was also shot underwater. And he like had the like it was very similar. Like, oh, he like made equipment to go underwater. He took them all diving. Uh, and mm. if you read the, the backstory behind The Abyss, it was an absolute nightmare to shoot. And there are several actors who said they would never work with James Cameron ever again because of the shooting conditions of that specific film. So I'm interested in seeing if he's going to 
you know, this is his big comeback of like, see, I can do an underwater film and it looks really good. Uh, But yeah, I I agree with Ray. This is going to be an interesting uh, film franchise to watch. I know Disney loves franchises, but this one, uh, they they might tap out. If this first one one doesn't do numbers and get back his 250 mil, they might tap out at three instead of five. You'd be like, um, anyway, back to our Marvel movies. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that is insane. And all that money, oh my goodness. It's, it, again, I feel like, again, James Cameron is, uh, I, I, I totally believe he lives in the story, but I feel like he is trying to represent a bunch of directors who have had a hard time in putting out movies against, you know, the whole new wave of superhero movies and the modern day movies because as we know for the past two years that's what all the older directors have been complaining about and i feel like james cameron has been putting in so much work in every uh department of this movie to be like you know what i rise above the superhero movies because i am james cameron i feel like this is a robot chicken or family guy skit about him acting like this but i feel like like just seeing how he acted when his ex-wife won the best oscar and how he just disappear from the face of the earth to make this movie for 15 years like he it might not be a great movie but it's definitely going to make a movie where we can't stop talking about it for six months i think he's trying to aim for that at least like well, yeah, i mean the story might be that was the first one movie but the but the cinematography and everything in it it's just gonna be like oh yeah I think and, he's. Trying, I think he's going to try to ride off the coattails of like. I think his first movie did that too, where the story mm-hmm. was kind of meh, but his film became really cool because like, oh, he has his camera that he shot that's like purposely supposed to be done in three D. That's purposely like going to like heighten the phosphorescent like light of everything. So like the scenes looked scene. great. Like the way he shot it looked great, and everyone admitted, yes, this looks fantastic. But then when you read the script, it's like, this honestly isn't anything new. This is literally Dance with Wolves, Fern Gully, white person enters an indigenous area, learns about the indigenous people, falls in love with the person, turns his back on his original people to save the people that he's he's now met. And now Mm -hmm. he becomes fully uh, accepted into this new society by, by he becomes woke becomes fully awoken into the diversities of the world he's back in this movie I'm gonna cry so yeah <laughs> like, oh he got up to date it with those swag good job James Cameron <laughs> so we'll see what they do I, we'll see what they do for the second I one I am curious to see if they're gonna bring back bring back the 3D uh, glasses because honestly <sighs> that was a phase that was that was a phase I like that was an extra element for that no. movie but I am curious if that is a Way to see the movie. I think we're done. I think that honestly is the perfect example of where this movie fit. Where 3D movies were like a thing, and then it was, was like the best 3D movie. And then fast forward, everyone's everybody like, is- "We don't do 3D like that." That was real dumb. Like it was, it was only moderately acceptable when it came out, and people kind of tolerated it. But everyone was saying this is stupid, so we're just still already gonna do it. <laughs> 3D, we did the 3D thing. 3D. Oh, okay. Oh. But yeah, so so uh, that was um, Disney's. Biggest movie to present at CinemaCon. Um, another big movie, uh, especially this summer, is Jurassic Park World Domination. Mm. Um, and this was Universal's uh, biggest thing mm. that they presented. 
Um, honestly, I did not watch the trailer because I'm not interested in uh, oh, Lord. doing dinosaur <laughs> things. So all I had to tell me was this movie is two, two and a half hours long, and I was like, nope. This movie's two not hours and damn near 30 minutes. But, Kat, you missed the most fan servicey trailer in the world. Or Which one? This one, because the whole Park. cool about this one is that they're bringing back Doctor Grant and Doctor Sattler and that. Malcolm together. They're like, we're going back to Jurassic Park. I mean, they kind of had to though, because I I didn't see the second one, movie, so I have no idea how. It ended. Oh, it gets better, why, Kat. Why do we have a third movie? Oh, Cat, this one, and I think it's I, I. This one is like it's definitely giving last energy. Like this is our last one because it even includes. Okay, if you remember Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, Lost World, there was that black girl who was adopted by I think Ian Malcolm. Uh, is she back yeah, in this too? And, and, and like she did that, she did the somersault and like somehow kicked a, a raptor out of a building and <laughs> using gymnastics. Uh, well, she's also coming back in this one as well. What? <laughs> They're coming back. I mean, but no, it gets you know better. what? They they looked in the list. They went to list the resources for her, and were just like, "Here, this one, this character." It's like we haven't done anything movie. with her in a while. Oh, Let's boy. also bring her back. But no, it gets even better because I don't know if any of y'all saw the last one, but uh, is the one yeah, where like the little girl has yep. like part dinosaur DNA in her body. What? I don't remember that. What? How? It was bad. But like, there's this whole thing where like, they keep like hinting at her having some ability to like communicate with dinosaurs when she came out in that movie. And now in this one, I think they're fully going to go for it. I think they're fully going to have this like, this fully like hands out moment where she like stops the T-Rex and communicates telepathically with it and gets it to turn around. Like, I feel like they're fully going to lean into she's the next, she's the next stage of human evolution. A dinosaur human hybrid. So, I'm not giving my money for this. I'm not watching this show. Here's the thing. I feel like they're, they're doing, they're basically doing what Fast and the Furious franchise has done with stuff like, wait, how can we outdo ourselves? I feel like that's oh. now the point of this series of like, how can we out dinosaur the last ones? Cool. Oh. Let's do a dinosaur that we make in a laboratory that is also a camouflage dinosaur, but also can like echolocate and can also communicate to raptors and also can telepathically tell the raptors to like follow it. And then the next one, cool. What do we do on where it's a dinosaur that has heat seeking vision and wants to catch a someone smell it could smell it 40 miles away and only find that person and also if you have a gun you can geotag someone and the dinosaur will follow that person now it's like cool what if we have a human child who can communicate to dinosaurs the minute you say fast and furious i had to look up who's backing this and it's universal so this is all universal's fault again 
for this BS? Well, because it puts butts in chairs. It's like, I feel like at this point, when you're coming to see a Jurassic Park film, you're coming to see them, like, outdo them. Like, you're no longer coming for what this film was originally about, which is man meddling with nature and causing irreparable damage to an environment and thus putting themselves and others in, in danger all because of what? Capitalism. Now it's fully gone off the rails. The metaphor is lost to everyone. And now it's just like, <laughs> dinosaurs are big and scary and cool. <laughs> and, and, the, and the title, I mean, World the last movie in this franchise... Oh, go ahead. That's the, it's Dominion. It's oh, Dominion. Dominion. Okay. Dominion. This is, this movie. I think this is it. This is going to yeah. be the last one. Uh, this movie can do whatever it wants. It has one. It made one point three billion dollars in the last one. Like yep. they, they literally just can just do anything. Oh it's like the Fast and Furious franchise. Like it's terrible, but it makes money. It works. It works internationally. That's why I feel like they're gonna go. If, but again, you guys, if this movie does really well, they're gonna try to make a spinoff or some kind of other next movie because why stop there? like the Fast and the Furious series. And it, it becomes their own MCU where it's going to be like Planet of the Apes with dinosaurs. Oh my God, nobody wants that. <laughs> it's going to happen though, if they continue. I think the worst part of this trailer, well, the worst part, <laughs> the, the funniest part of this trailer was when when Chris Pratt's character basically makes a promise to one of the dinosaurs that he's going to get back her baby. And then what? in the trailer themselves, they're like, you made a promise to a dinosaur. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh what? My God. Y'all didn't know it sounds ridiculous and you still did it anyway. <laughs> it also is a film where at some point in the trailer and someone says this line and it's the most idiotic line I've ever heard ever. Where someone, because like at this point, if you, if you, if you follow the films, all the dinosaurs got out. Just in the last one, the little girl who can talk to dinosaurs somehow convinced yes. a group of adults to be like, yeah, hit the button and set them free into Los Angeles. And, and no one stopped her. But apparently, they've all been procreating like crazy and now are just out there. And someone says, they don't belong here. And then, and then the other person goes like, but it's their world too. And I'm like, no, it is not. <laughs> The environment has changed. It is no longer their world. What do you mean they have a right to live to? Y'all did this. Y'all brought these dinosaurs back. And now you're just like, but we can't just kill them. It's like, yes, you can. And yes, you should. Because the animals we have were not meant to be alive with dinosaurs. And a whole global thing is about to happen where people are going to be eaten by dinosaurs or, or food's going to be gone. But it's just, it's the funniest, dumbest line I've ever heard. I'm like... This is the kind of film I'm like that people are going to be watching. Are people defending not ex- fully extincting dinosaurs? It's like, oh, but they they deserve to live with us too. I I'm going to put it out there. Eventually, down the line, if they continue this, there's going to be a dinosaurs in space scene or movie. Cat, you might get it now. Honestly, you might get it in this one. <laughs> if we get in this one. Okay, I I feel like that's what's going to happen because if that's what people want and if people are like, we have to get out of here, we can fly out off the earth and some dinosaur has a crazy ability to just follow them. I cannot. 
uh, that's 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 it for me. Uh, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's crazier than Fast and the Furious, a dinosaur in space. But I feel like Universal just wrote a post-it note, put it on the wall, was like, goal. <laughs> we're gonna we're make doing it. See. But if that happens, y'all, please tag me because I feel like that's coming. I mean, it's gonna that's coming. I, it's gonna break records. And I also know that, that this film had a nightmare uh, of shooting because again, they had to shoot this film during the pandemic, and it was like it's uh, this film is the basis of that blooper movie that's on Netflix because Jadapha oh, Tal had heard how terrible oh, it yeah. was when they were shooting this film because it kept having to go in and out of quarantine over and over again and of course no one just and like there's no confirming this information but a lot of folks believe that chris pratt didn't want to get vaccinated and so there's a whole lot of issues around like him not wanting of to course. be vaccinated and like dealing with like the quarantine and all so there's a lot of drama around this film as a whole uh, but it's coming out, and yeah, they're gonna do. They're gonna do numbers. They're gonna make money. Um, they have a lot of folks in here that I like. Mamadou Athi from uh, that Netflix film was it Archive Forty Five is in this. Um, um, Omar Sy from Lupin is in this, which is like super dope. I love him in, in, in Lupin. Because guess what? Because you know they made ask. over a couple billion dollars while they can't afford to get these people. They're <laughs> like anybody. Anybody, yeah. everybody, and of course, from the past to yeah. now. And of course, they're bringing movie. back B.D. Wong, just to wrap it all up in a nice oh, little bow. You got to. I love B.D. Wong. Well, I hope y'all enjoy. Unless, t- unless T-Mobile has a $4 ticket to see this movie. Um, I will we don't need to see it. We don't need to see it. Um, but I do want to end on Lionsgate uh, presentation because this is the one... Oh. I feel like out of all the presentations, this these movies were the one where I was not expecting. Um, first up for me, and I think I had Ty aiming on it when I saw it on Twitter days ago. Hunger Games is making another movie um, about. I think this was. It's from, a prequel. They're doing a Hunger Games it's a prequel, prequel. Book that that lady wrote like six years ago. Totally, we didn't. I, I out, out of mind, out of sight. Totally forgot. They actually made the movie for this book, and it's basically about the prequel of uh, that snow guy who runs everything, and I think it's just going to start show the start of how the districts came to be. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, not this bullshit again. I mean, they learned <laughs> from J.K. Rowling. Same people making, I don't know if it's the same people making those movies, because I did not like those people who made those movies. I thought it was a decent story, but it could have been so much better. So when I saw that, I was just like, why are we revisiting the past? Yeah, I mean, and then, let me give you the log line, Eming, just because this, this whole thing is interesting. Cornelius Snow is 18 years old. Before he became the tyrannical president of Pan Am, young Cornelius and his family are going through hard times. And seeking a chance to change his fortune, he has chosen to become a mentor of the 10th Hunger Games. Only he's partnered with a girl from the impoverished District 12. What I would like is for them to redo the last movie. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want the PTSD in there. I don't want no fucking clean ass ending like nothing fucking happened. I want pain and anguish and sadness. Not what that... Crap. No, exactly. When I read read that book and it was like literally the last two chapters, I was like, I'm depressed. 
What? I know. I, I love that book. That was beautiful. And they just and the movie was just bleach like, on it. it was the disgusting. But the children, the children don't like it. Do you know? Do you know uh, the Hunger Games series is required reading for most seventh graders? At least it oh, was wow. like six years ago. Interesting. And um, it. Yeah, they <laughs> the like, games. Yeah, both middle school, both Where's schools they? that I worked in at, California, that was the book that they had to read in class and talk about it in class. Did you say right? Um, and stuff. Hmm. Interesting. I was just asking what where that was again. Yeah, because I the school because I feel like yeah. most school reading is, is South San Francisco. You don't have to say the school name. I just I, I, I was just saying like yeah. San Bruno, oh. South San Francisco it's, it's, area location. Wild. I feel like it's always and, uh, been like books of color in oh, California, and, um, like East Bay. I guess. I mean, some of that area. there was that whole area. There was. There, I mean, That's like I, I don't blame the teachers for trying to branch out and do some different books that they can get them into a little bit more. And those books aren't bad. I actually liked most of the books when I went back and read them. They did Peter wrong in the movies also. <laughs> Peter was right? a much right? uh, Preach, was a much right? better Preach. character in the books. And they really messed him up. Uh, yep. So all I'm saying is <laughs> good little series. Um, but yeah, That's you guys, 2023 though. Expect another, uh, as far as merchandise, bringing back all the little Hunger Games slang things, TikTok taking over Hunger Games, which I, you know, Hunger Games came out before TikTok. I can only imagine. <clears throat> ah, this is going to be too much. Um, and so I was on the fence. I feel like it might be so too I'm late, though. Gonna... Wait, it's already started? Well, no, I feel like it might be too late for Hunger I feel like at this point in like the social media zeitgeist people have been turning back and making fun of films like twilight and the hunger games because of like how like ya or how like over the top ya they were of like oh all this film all this writing is so cringy let's like let me reach you a line from the book and everyone's like oh it, it sounded like that i didn't remember that it sounded like that twilight was way worse it was way worse, so it was way worse. Twilight was, it was way worse. I, I couldn't even read oh, twilight terrible <laughs> so i'm it was written by a fourth, fourth grade so i am so i, I am <laughs> wondering how how this one's gonna go in this new climate because when it came out, it was like That's on true. like the tail of like that That's Twilight true. verse right. and like YA novels yeah. were popping off. Divergent, yeah, Divergent The Maze Runner, mm-hmm. like they were going, they're popping off strong at that point in time. We fully transitioned kind of out of those like YA books becoming films now. So it's going to be interesting to see how it does in this new climate. Mm. It's going to have a combination of like us and people younger than us to go see it, (laughs) basically. How dare you say that? I mean, like people our age who were like, oh, I read the book because I love the book series. I need to see this movie. I'm like, girl, I'm going to wait to this on streaming because I don't even know who's in the cast. I don't even know who's in the cast. And I guess I'll wait to see when that trailer comes out. I guess I'll make my decision. Um, But I I wanted to keep going. And the part two of Lionsgate, which really shocked me, was guys remember the Expendables? You know, basically the old people version of They're Ocean's back. Eleven with more explosions. They're back. So Sylvester Yay. Stallone says uh, one more time, and so Expendables Expendables Four is coming back. As far as who's returning to the oh, cast, I got the cast for you. Um, oh, okay, oh, go ahead, Marlon, because I I don't know who is. I'm gonna say back. this off top. This cast is hilarious. And I'll start with the first one out the gate that made me full 
full. Like, it's honestly why I had to tell us to start recording because I'm like, I can't. I have to talk about it as soon as possible. The first new but famous face that's on board, Fifty Cent. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm showing it. It's your birthday. Fifty Cent. Oh, and like, and what's interesting is that when, like, when whenever they list someone, they put like the last film they were in, and so it goes: Curtis Fifty Cent Jackson, Den of Thieves, which is a terrible movie he was in so many years ago. Oh my god! So he's I, in this. Um, they have Den of when, when did that movie come? Oh out? my god! I, that came out early aughts. I want to say it's been a minute. But so they have him. He's in it. Uh, they also have Tony Ja from Ong Bak, which makes sense. Okay. They have um, I love Tony uh, ja. they have Aiko Uwawis, who I think was who I think played um, uh, Snake Eyes in GI Joe. Oh, yes, he's. Oh, it I gets like better. Wait that. for it. That's um, Aiko is Aiko is also from the uh, the raid. If I Correct. remember correctly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same person. I like him. Oh, he's better. Megan Fox. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. You went from Vin Diesel in the beginning of this conversation, and now we're ending it on. Megan I thought Fox. she was gonna do good stuff. I Megan know Fox. So too. I need oh, a conversation. Megan. Oh, we're still not done. We are oh, still Megan. not done. Why? Wait, more? We have Andy Garcia. You know, what? I'm not surprised. I mean, he, he was in Ocean's that, Eleven. He he wants. That tracks. That tracks, that tracks right? He wherever he wants. We have uh, Levy Tran. Who is a? I want. She's. Um, I think she's a Thai actress. Maybe she was on a bunch of MTV shows, basically. Uh, and then you have like Jacob. You have Jacob Scaseppo, who is who was on Bad Boys. Oh, who was her? She's familiar. Yeah. I see her in something. I, I can't remember sometimes. where. But. And then you yeah. have Eddie Hall, who, of course, following Jason Couture, is another uh, British MMA boxer fighter guy. They found a new Jason Stratum guy. I think so. Yeah, I think a new like replacement. So that's who's coming, who's in, who's new. They already found and of course, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, and Randy Couture are still in this film. Oh, so Jason. Oh, so Jason might have to fight the other British guy. What? Okay. (laughs) Well, Kat, I'm interested. Okay, I don't know if you watch these films. What was interesting is that I have. No one, like, people do technically lose, but, like, whenever there's, like, a, a, a fist fight, it's very much, like, we can't tell who's actually winning just yet because it's, like, everyone has those Rock or Vin Diesel contracts of, like, I can't look like I'm losing. So we're just calling yep. a draw and an explosion <laughs> will just separate us and put us in two different directions. I guess Vin Diesel feels like he's not old enough to join, but I would be surprised if they continue this series. Vin Diesel's going to pop up somehow, somewhere. I mean, their last film had uh, the director of this one had Jetly in it. Yeah, it did. Which I was really shocked how they got him. I was like, they got Jetly and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, they got they got two of. I don't. I think they're both at this point. They're both getting a little older, but they got two really strong martial artists yeah, in this film. Yeah. Also, um, it's, uh, directed by um, the guy who did Need for Speed. <laughs> Are you serious? With uh, Aaron Paul. The movie. Need for Speed. The movie that was. Yeah, the, the Need for Speed movie. <laughs> I got a need. <laughs> He's a director for the Expendables Four movie. Uh, the movie. How did he even get the rights yeah. to do that? 
I mean, they pulled him on they at some point. It's Lionsgate's rights. So he's just a pay- he he's getting a paycheck. To somebody, because ain't no way you go from Beaver Speed to this. Even though this is not a big deal of a movie, it's I mean, it has stars and it's stacked, and he's gonna direct it. He also, okay. I mean, it's also should be noted that Sylvester Stallone has promised that the fourth film is gonna be rated R. Because the last couple have been rated PG-13. So he's like, I can say that absolutely unequivocally, yes, it'll be a rated R film. I believe it was a horrible miscalculation on everyone's part in order for us to reach a a wider audience. But in doing so, diminish the violence that the audience expects. I'm quite certain it won't happen again. This give us blood. This also reminds me of Stallone here to promise more violence. Like yeah, it was violent, but it could be more. It could be more violent. He said that in 2014 when this lat when the third one came out, which is 2013. Oh my god! Expendables more violent than Moon Knight. That would be their tagline. So again, we see a trend of these movies, all uh, sequels and spinoffs and reboots, all coming back from our past, appearing. I mean, Again, that's been happening. That's been happening. Like, these movies all like the first of these movies all came out like within the same time period. That's what's crazy. Like like Avatar and the Hunger Games and Expendable. Like all those, I remembered that because I was like literally just getting out of college, and they're back. They're still like that's wild to me. It's like everyone was like, "What movie was popular between 2019 and 2012? Let's choose all these movies and let's release them." I mean, <laughs> it's important to know that they've like shaved a lot down. I mean, they've they've gotten rid of. They, they had a much bigger cast in the third one. They, again, mm. they had Jet Li, Antonio Banderas, yeah, Harrison Cruz. Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mel Gibson, Wesley Snipes, Terry Crews, oh, yeah. Kelsey That's Grammer, true. Ronda Rousey. Like <laughs> they were paying a bunch of people a lot of money. So it makes sense that for this next coat run, like great, let's look for some actual B to C list people because that last film we did was re- even for like Harrison Ford's cameo like that I'm sure cost a grip. That had to be 20 million alone. Right. So yeah, they're definitely they scaling just, back they some just things. finished paying that loan now so they can be like, okay, now we can make the next movie. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's been 15 years. Just we finally him. paid our check. <laughs> Call them people C tiers. Yep. <laughs> Call them the C tiers. <laughs> oh my god! But can I feel uh, like all that happened? But I think there's one thing that sh- that overshadowed. I think a lot of that night, and that was when, yes. in the middle of um, I want to say what was the film called? Um, s- something darling. Something dear. So, yeah. Something oh, darling. Something darling. Uh, yeah. Olivia Wilde. It was called, was, it's not what it's yes. called. Not what it's though, called. But that's what we're remembering. It. It. Don't Darling. Don't worry, don't darling. Worry, there you go. In the middle of don't Olivia Wilde doing a presentation about "Don't worry, darling," she should she should she should have been worrying uh, because a man <laughs> a man nice. crossed the stage and handed her an envelope, and she again was staying fully in presentation mode. Oh, what's this? A script was her response, and then she opens it up, and she's been served papers about uh, her uh, custody battle uh, with Jason Sudeikis live in front of everyone and audience of people and that man who what's scary is that no one knows who this man is or how he got on stage or how he got those credentials to be on stage homeboy was at home using a, a xerox machine or a protocopier and like somehow was like i'm gonna go on here and i'm gonna I'm dip i don't think it was on stage i think he walked walked up and slid it oh, across great. the stage and then she picked it up and she's like is this for me and then she looked at it and then realized what it was even better the, 
apparently they're saying that he had some credentials though to be in there, which is I think yeah, the biggest did. thing. Oh, I mean, allegedly. Like, it's saying, I don't know if it's official. Mm. Just how? Mm. And a month, almost a month to Slapgate, this <laughs> happened. So next month around the 27th, Pay attention to any stage. A month anything. to Slapgate. Y'all. <laughs> Slapgate has cursed the stage now. People really need to be concerned about people walking up to people on stage. It's like, where's the security? There's the security. I mean, people. Yeah, they do. It's been real It's surprising that these things don't have a lot of security on stage when um, other presentations, like at a concert or even in um, on a talk show, when they're filming live, there's security or stuff being you know, protect it. But it is surprising that, you know, as a viewer, I didn't know that there was, there's no security protocol at all. And from seeing like, you know, unfortunately Will Smith and this random guy who snuck in and was able to do that, that is just really scary um, for celebrities to just do something simple as reading off a card and then get presented with something like that. Like that's... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more follow up on that in, in, in a few months. CinemaCon said that they're going to be reevaluating the security protocols moving forward. And Jason Sudeikis has also been quoted saying he did not know that that was going to be done in that way. And I think Ray also hinted at, like, in our private chat of, like, when you have someone who's serving someone, they will just do it in the way that they seek to do it. Like, you're not really going to be fully telling them how, like, they're going to, great, I will get it to the person. It's basically your connection. Great, you'll get it to them. Yeah, I will. And then how they choose to get to that person can be very different than what you expected. He went on to have his people say, we did not know this man was going to show up at this place and slide it across the floor like that. We signed the paperwork. We handed it off to them with the expectation that it will be delivered. And that was pretty much uh, how it was going to be done. He And he said, I would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate manner. But this person bought a ticket. He got credentials. To enter the building. I mean, people that start papers, they For be dirty express sometimes. Reason? That's so weird. People that start papers, they do a lot of mess I, I mean, he probably. Uh, he probably was. If I'm, if I speculate very slightly, this he was probably like running out of ideas on how to get it to mm-hmm. her. Um, and this, this way worked and- somehow. She might have been dodging him. She, they might have. She might have had good security. She might have like there might have been a. A couple of reasons why uh, she he was having I don't know or he was bad at it and eventually had this idea that honestly actually it wasn't a bad idea because it worked so um, who knows yeah we can never know like we'll never know if like Jason has been like yo I keep texting you and you refuse to meet me at a safe space to get this damn paperwork and I run out of ideas I think that that could be a reason but yeah it was. Um, definitely a have wild thing it was wild to just kind of because again like she's trying to save face and present a movie that she's been told to present so it definitely was a an awkward moment to say the least and it was a moment that i think people are going to be remembering before avatar and expendables <laughs> go olivia wild mm-hmm. oh. make that trending thing go oh my gosh um with that uh, I believe we want to dive into one of the uh, Atlanta episodes. Atlanta has been constantly putting out amazing deep episodes, as they should. Um, what episode do we want to dive in today? The the um. The, the last episode was Trini to the Bone. 
That was the last one. You want to go into that one? Yeah, we can talk about Stranger of the Bone. I think um, most because I think, and I'm glad that you know I, you guys are great people, and I'm glad to hang out with you regardless. But this particular uh, episode, I think I'm glad I was with you all to kind of talk about it because I think uh, in general, a lot of what we've seen Atlanta do this year is very. Um, it's very in your face kind of like all like shock and awe moments of like from like the three slaps being like, hey, this happened and I'm going to like talk about it. And it's going to be in your face. And then we see like uh, the big payback where it's like, hey, this happens and it's in your face. And it's very like it, it, it's, it was designed in a way to kind of fully shake the foundation of which you kind of have prior knowledge coming into it. And I think with Tree to the Bone, I think because we just saw I had seen so many like such ground shaking episodes i'm thinking they're gonna have this this is gonna be big it's gonna be boisterous and for the most part it played pretty calm like with the exception of again there might be some spoilers in here so if you haven't seen it don't 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 jump into it just too soon you know come back later and listen to us talk about it but i think with the exception of like the funeral scene in this episode it was a very slow paced episode you know, there was a lot of, you know, imagery in the background that we were supposed to pick up on. But for the most part, it really wasn't going to hit you with like the unseasoned chicken or the children being potentially thrown out of the back of a car or being drowned or someone like having a barbecue on your front lawn because they want the reparations back. It was very slow and subtle. And I think there's been like other pieces being written about how it was like boring or, or how it didn't really do anything. But I think the subtlety of it and, and what we all talked about, the subtlety of this episode, I think was just done in a way that I think also adds to what the episode was trying to talk about, which is that the whole focus is like the death of a nanny of a white family is this black nanny who comes from Trinidad and Tobago. And she has become so ingrained into their son's life uh, that the son identifies more so with this black nanny and her culture because his parents are just pretty much very wealthy and are just tuned into their own personal selves. And by the time they see what their son's whole world is like, uh, they've missed a huge chunk of it. And he identifies most of what he enjoys his food, his music, his aspirational occupations, they all align with what he's been exposed to from this Trini woman. And I think because it's a slow burn of him developing these feelings for her, of course, this episode is also a slow burn of them realizing bits and pieces of who their son identifies with. And of course, is accented with the cherry on top of Chet Hanks and his fake Patois accent. <laughs> But yeah, I think it was fascinating because my first watch through, I'm like, where's the action? Where's like the wild, like, yo, this is messed up. It was just super slow. I'm thinking like, oh man, did I like, did I miss something? But I think I did miss it. I think I was expecting fast pacing and uh, it was a great episode to kind of remind yourself to slow down and just kind of really absorb the moment and listen and watch. I think this was a good episode to kind of like sit watch and then reflect in a way that isn't like yo yes fuck that white man we need reparations (laughs) (laughs) um i agree because it it did it did uh one thing i like a lot which is the other two kind of dream episodes are kind of focused on uh, they're not. They're not trying to make the. Well, the first one was trying to make the main white characters look like the bad guys because they were just 
bad people. But um, the second one was like he was the unfortunate victim of a bad situation and he it was from still his point of view and he had to figure his shit out mm-hmm. and this one was just like this white family is they're not doing nothing wrong they they ain't hurting anybody they just uh they got a nanny for the kid and they didn't realize what they had what they you know what they weren't paying attention to i'm glad they got to see that it was really nice uh they got to they got to sit in there and like everybody was being nice to them and watch him do the whole yes during the mm-hmm. during the yes, uh, Lord. The, I can't call Lance. it a sermon, but the funeral. <laughs> yes, Lord. It was that little kid was adorable. Uh, every everything he was doing, I was like, "This is a this is a, wherever you find this little uh, first grader." I don't know how old this kid is, but he looks very small and he's very great at what he did in his episode. Absolutely, um, it was it was entertaining. I love the slowness too. It was just a nice story about a strong black woman in this community, basically, without her being there. Well. Arguably, she was there. She got the last laugh in the end. Yeah, sure she did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like it was a slow burn because I feel like it's one of those things that is just very common in today's society where it's it's literally Donald Glover taking a magnifying glass and just, you know, showing a New York family or a well-to-do New York family's typical life. I remember... When when Don Glover went to NYU back when he was a youngin, his main job was being a nanny, and so he got to really experience that type of life of I get to influence white kids, you know, into like what I'm into mm-hmm. and how I grew up and stuff, <clears throat> and you know, kids who don't have their parents a lot at home, they do kind of gravitate to that because it's like this person provides for me, cares for me, and is really cool. So it's like, yeah, I. I fully respect this person. I, I, I admire this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this episode, it's just, it, it has a lot of themes that I saw, um, especially with the dialogue that was being exchanged between the husband and the wife, how, you know, um, they were upset that Sylvia was like late. And then when they found out she died, they immediately were like, Oh my gosh, how are we going to get another nanny? Like there was just like no remorse in the beginning. They were just more concerned of like, a commodity that they were paying for and now they didn't get the convenience and now it's like oh my gosh now we have to get another one oh my gosh well we can up we can upgrade and then find a chinese nanny because then he can learn like it was it was kind of embarrassing and just very <laughs> that part was that part was a weird conversation it yeah, was. But that's how at least living in new york that's what a lot of like wealthy families do like a lot of nannies out there <clears throat> are caribbean or they come from China or they come from another country where they bring their culture and the parents don't tell them specifically, but they really try to hit on, please put your culture on my kid because I want my kid to be amazing in some type of business someday. Knowing that that's happening, the kid's developing other things of just accepting the culture, but then just being close to that person in general, because they see this person the majority of their day, every day until they, you know, are too old for a nanny. Mm-hmm. And I think parents just don't realize that. And in this episode, it kind of shows what happens when that commodity that they like, that they were depending on once, you know, she was gone, not only were they like realizing how disconnected they are with their kid, but who was that person in their home and all the amazing things and all the sad things that this person had, like she had such 
she has so much life and she has gave back to the community so much. They don't know. And, and that's another conversation of just like, you really don't know who's taking care of your kids because you're just thinking of them as a like a employee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what I really like about this kid though, uh, just the small, just the small things that I, I enjoy of him watching like Proud Family, him wanting his little spicy mango chutney on his ex, um, uh, him saying all the Trini slings. Like it, it, it started off small, and the parents were like slow to pick up. But then once they were at the funeral, it was like that kid lit up like a Christmas light. Like he was he was in his element. And then to see Chet Hanks to the left of them, and it's like, is your child going to grow up to be Chet Hanks one day? We don't know, but it's possible. That you know? confused uh, me. I think the Chet Hanks thing, I was kind of, I was trying to figure it out. Cause I'm like, are you saying that Tom Hanks had a Jamaican nanny? And that's why Chet Hanks is as terrible as he is now. Because I, I think that's know. where it missed me. Cause I was like, I don't think this needed Chet Hanks. I think he was there to be funny. Cause like, oh, here's this yeah. white boy that we know is on the internet who makes Jamaican music with his Jamaican accent, despite being told to stop. And is still right. doing it, and is also dates yeah. black women and is mean to them. <clears throat> so I just I was very much like I don't think this, I don't think this needed Chet Hanks, other than to be like, oh, he's an asshole. It's Chet Hanks. I think yeah, I think he was added in for shock value more than he could grow up to be like him because I again it's whoever whoever this little boy is going to be, he's going to be whoever he's going to be. I think Ch- Chet Hanks was just in there because it was almost like a it, Donna Glover had mentioned there was going to be like attacking him attacking meme culture a lot in these episodes and i feel like that was one of the moments of like chet hanks is basically a meme and he just True. featured him and that was it there was nothing too deep about it yeah i, mean, I, know, um, I know that chet hanks is also going to be on uh z-way show um i don't know if y'all watch z-way basically z-way is basically do you know who, who Z-Way is? Yeah, I do, oh, but like, so, is she about to rip him a new one? So, Raymond, Z-Way is basically like, um, you know how Andre had his own really weird show where he would interview celebrity guests and ask them like off-the-wall questions like, do you eat your own toenails? Or, or just Eric yeah, Andre? Yeah, Eric Andre. <laughs> so she basically, it's okay. in that similar vein, except she asked some questions like, are you racist? And then it's a white person, they have to be like, no, I'm not. And then, and then she'd be like, why aren't you racist? And it's like, because I'm not, but do you have a a, a maid or, or a nanny? Is like, well, yeah. I'm like, so then are you racist? Like, no, I'm not. And like, she like she likes to ask some really weird questions to put them on the back foot. But then she's also it gets it's pretty. It's like comedy slash a social experiment. It's really interesting. But he's gonna be on her show, uh, and I'm sure she's probably gonna ask some questions like, why do you speak like that? Because shit, Hanks, for some reason, really likes to do that patois accent, despite being raised by <sighs> Tom Hanks in a very loving white home, I'm sure. Uh, in the Bay Area. And, and Camille went to Northwestern and recalls... No. Oh, sorry. Did I cut out? <laughs> sorry, yeah. So Camille went to Northwestern, oh, okay. which is where Chet Hanks was. And, she can, was like, and we've what? talked about her being like, people did not like Chet Hanks. <laughs> Like, and I, I'm like, and I'll be like, as she was like, he really did the whole, I'm a white guy and I like black culture thing and took it way too far and rubbed a bunch of people the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, like, and I get it. It's so one thing to appreciate the culture, but I feel like Shit Hanks definitely took it to the, t- the, like the, the nth degree. But anyway, I think his addition to this episode, I was just kind of like, I don't know what you're trying to say here, but I get most of this. 
It's like, I get it. It's, I'm like, he's here to serve the purpose Everybody of like, white like, guy who does a Pachua accent. But that literally could have been any guy. <laughs> I think it just, it just had to be Chet Hanks to be like, meme culture, yeah. Goddamn Chet Hanks. It was just the meme. Yeah. Meme culture. Um, but yeah, back to this episode. Um, one of the themes that I feel like I I saw like on the internet, and I, I actually felt the same, was how how the parents were feeling about the nanny and stuff and knowing that she is Caribbean and she's black. It kind of remind me again of like back in the day in the slavery times when, uh, when black women were torn, like they were pulled apart from their children to raise white kids and how they would nurse them. Like basically they were there. They were literally their parents. Like they did everything with this kid. This kid worshiped, a lot uh, of, of this black woman. And I know, like, it wasn't, like, it's been going on forever. Like, I remember I have some relatives that were big caretakers, nannies, and, like, when they pass, or, uh, actually, I keep hearing a lot about this, when, when whenever an, an elderly black lady passes, there's always some type of white family at the funeral crying more than the actual family because they're like, you raised my baby. Like, that was that was my Mima, that was my Nana, like, that was everything, you know? And the actual children are just like, I missed out because she was raising you, you know? And then we get in. So again, this is like, it was like layers upon layers. So going into that type of narrative and then getting into uh, like black families or even just any type of immigrant family taking care of basically a, a wealthier family, how they missed out on their own kids. And you see that in the funeral with Sylvia's children and uh, seeing how, like, even the daughter looking at the, the, the girls who were doing the dancing, um, it looked like she didn't even get a chance to do that as a child. And it was known that, you know, Sylvia was not around for her own kids. And as far as, you know, how everyone was building her up to be. And they were the only ones that were just like, we love her mom, but she wasn't here for us because she was providing for us or she was try to make a difference her own way. And she just kind of left us out into the wind to kind of fend ourselves. And so I'm like, this is a, this, I feel like I'm not like, I, I can't really say much cause I'm not like a child of an immigrant, but I know like a lot of my friends who, whose parents worked in that kind of industry, they were literally raising themselves. And it's, it, it was another conversation that I'm like, wow. So Darn Globe is going to just present that like out of nowhere. Okay, cool. And then on top of that, um, it talked about how um, we're going back to uh, the white family at the end of this whole episode, you know, throughout the story, but throughout this episode, there's a knocking at the door. The The dad keeps opening the door as an envelope to Sylvia. You know, he sends it back. Cause he's like, she's dead. We don't need this envelope. But the last scene, he finally opens up the envelope and it's picture day pictures of Sylvia and the kid. And it's so scary how similar they look in these pictures. They have very similar expressions. They almost look like they're related. And I don't know if you guys remember earlier in the episode when the kid is saying, uh, or when the mom is telling to the husband, like, the teacher was upset that we weren't there for him for picture day. Like, what's up with that? I mean, we were. Like, who's going to be there for our kid? Like, they need to understand that. And to see that, well, Siri understood that, and she fulfilled that role to the point where they are more of a family than possibly he could be with his own parents. And that's, it was just such a haunting thing, how it ended. And then, you know, it ends with her her ghost humming the Treaty to the Bone song. And I was just like, 
oh my gosh, that was a lot. Because again, that's, you know, it, it's your child. And, it, 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 and I don't know if you guys pay attention to like the Hulu descriptions of these episodes, but the description said, white people will look at this and be like, pain. And I'm like, he ain't lying. <laughs> he ain't lying. It's like, those parents went through so much stress that week because of the events. And I think after that, seeing that picture thing, if they don't get their act together, they've already kind of like lost that connection with their kid because that kid, he's young. He got all that culture so early. True. He, he's not going to turn back towards blandness, I guess. Um, but yeah, that that was a very deep episode. I do. I did mention before. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's been like a ghost in every episode. And I said, and I wanted to know what you guys' thoughts were on that. So there's actually be like a ghost story or like some kind of spirit. Or like in the last episode where it was Sylvia's spirit whistling, walking away. And I'm like, it's a common thing. Like ghosts in the episodes that aren't about Earl in the gang. There was a ghost thing. Or even including them. No, there were ghosts. There was ghosts. So like the episode where Earl was at that gambling party. And the rich guy was taught, basically, it sounded like the story of Late Lanier. It sounded like the black ghost from Late Lanier, because he was saying this ghost was black and he was ashy. He, he looked, he was wet from something. He was talking about that ghost story that he was scared of. And that's when, when Earl popped up, or not Earl, but uh, uh, Paperboy, sorry, Paperboy. Uh, and then that's when Paperboy basically appeared like a ghost in his window saying, give me my money. Um, that was the ghost story. Uh, and then you know the first boot, the first episode, yeah, definitely Lanier. And then I'm trying to remember the other episode of, um, well, I mean the payback episode didn't really have ghosts, but it was a lot to talk about ancestors, which I guess is borderline, but not really a ghost. Um, but there's, it's like a, it's like a slight theme of just spirits or ancestors or ghosts in that area that it's like it keeps popping up in every episode. And I am curious to see the next episode if it's going to have something like mm. that. But I'm going to go back and see if there is like some kind of supernatural element. Um, and it mm. wasn't until this episode where I'm just like, this, this is another ghost happening. What is, what is happening? Like, is he doing some kind of ancestors are watching over us type stuff? Because I wouldn't be surprised. But didn't the guy sleep with that ghost who was telling Paperboy about that? Was that the whole thing of him mind, like, I woke up sticky? I just, like, I think that, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm not sure if that was him just yeah, saying yeah, yes. Yeah, it was that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one confused because that one, I don't know if he was being serious or just echo, telling a story. But. And stuff. And Paperboy was like, <laughs> right, I, I don't know either. But again, more ghost. And I think we talked about in um, another thing about this episode was the doctor that the parents use is Dr. Lipschitz from Rugrats. And so every time I see these little little jokes, I just be like, y'all be having too much fun in the writer's room. Don't you? Um, and then my last thing is this episode had, uh, for these parents to be like so into their lives, uh, someone brought it up on Twitter that they see a lot of like I know they're they seem like the type of New Yorkers that I guess you can say are woke I guess because they do take in a lot of just black culture things in their home without realizing it because it's trendy so like in the beginning of the show 
the dad with his rap music, which I was like, why is he listening to this song as he's running in the streets of Manhattan? Okay. Um, the mother had a Telfair bag. I don't even have a Telfair bag. I want one. But the fact that she had one and she had this whole attitude, I was just like, how dare she? Um, and then like showing just like proud family and stuff. And it's like, I feel like for them to... And then uh, I think I mentioned the African art in their in their in their apartment, and so it's like I, I I get that they were really like we like Sylvia because she's affordable and that the affordable and she has culture, but it's like culture that is something that makes us seem cool and 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 like you know up to up to date. So like people would will look at them and be like, oh, okay, you you can't be a hater. You I see that, you know, you have, you know, rap music stuff. So you're fine. And I was like, that was a whole other deeper conversation that I discovered that um uh, from a second viewing, I was like, oh yeah, they do. Um and the way the whole tone of it again was slow is because this is just a typical day that happens all over the country that people don't really think about like and people have like these ideas and stuff against black culture, but then not realizing like you, you sure like to either make money or have it in your home to be cool, you know? So I was like, it was just very, very packed, but very slow burn. Um, I don't know why people said, I did see the articles that said this episode failed, which I was like, no, it didn't. Um, it was just a very slow thought piece that, you just have to open your eyes to, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's that. It was good. I liked it. I did too. Um. Yeah. So. And and this was the first mm-hmm. episode that Donald Glover directed out of all episodes we've seen up this far. So he really Would wanted this episode to be shown. Which shout out to him. Um. Other than that, is there anything you wanted to? I was going to end on a query. One or discuss, Marlon? Do you have anything? Well, I mean, do we have time for that? Do we want to end on a query? I think we're at a PlayStation. Oh, okay. A query. We are. We have one oh eight at the mm-hmm. moment. I think that, we have and because I feel like query. we could definitely do the the ad thing's going to be a thing, but we can never do a query in there and then just yeah proceed to to do stuff. All right. Um. Sorry. Uh, my query, my query is this. Um, let's say you are a young 11 year old in your own town uh, and you get an opportunity to get a starter Pokemon uh, that could be any gen version of Pokemon. What Pokemon would you want to be your starter? I will let you know right now, if I had a choice, I would love to go with, I think it's Gen 3 Shinx as a starter to my adventure because I like cats and Shinx definitely gives me and at the end you know when you get a luxray that definitely gives me zenny my actual cat energy of like the aggressive looking face uh with like the full side eye but it's very nice and fluffy so <laughs> you can get your own starter any generation what would that pokemon be that's my shinx that's so you can get anyone you can get any Squirrel. pokemon starter okay. I've been okay. a big squirrel fan girl since they came. <laughs> no, I've been so faithful to Squirtle. I know that's super old school, but every time I Pokemon game, I'm like, Squirtle, where's my Squirtle? I think it's because, like, 
he's so just squirrel, squirrel. proud and cute. And then in the episode when you see his squad, I just I was like, oh man, this is this is the perfect Pokemon for me because I can see myself. Like him and me walking. I mean, when we had when Pokemon Go was the best, and I basically had my little avatar with Squirtle. Yes, it was a unit. I I needed to be All real. Right. Like that. It was. But you perfect. got there, Ray. I who's just, your Who's your beginning? Yeah. Who's your Who's your starter among any of the Pokemon? Who would you rather start with? There's so many. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It's so hard. <laughs> Uh, there's so many. Um, probably. Um, dang, that's so tough. I haven't. I've been trying to decide, and I am stuck Ooh. somewhere between. Uh, can't think of the starter yes. right now. Starly, is it Starly that eventually Definitely turns Starly. into Staraptor? Oh, it's a big. It's a big bird for one of the gens. Uh. That'd be sweet. Very I true. think Starly would be Staraptor would be big enough to ride around, which would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, okay, uh, Evie, nice. Other than okay, that, I'm pretty fine with Evie. Yeah, you could definitely ride a Staraptor. It's like it's like three no, foot eleven. One. That's yeah, really good. Evie would be adorable too. <laughs> No, it's gonna be a little hard. No, I can't. But I gotta find a bigger I bird. You, Ray. I believe in you. You'll make it work. You might have to I, I am literally We're twice the size of that bird. Not yeah. literally. Versus your EV literally. It's almost being four feet. I guess you're saying. All right, that's not as bad. I still don't think it's gonna work. True, true. I mean, would you? The question is, that's would fine. You I don't need to write EV. EV is just gonna be the greatest Pokemon ever. This is true. Mm, so many options. Mm. Oh yeah, she'd get evolved, but I don't know where uh-huh. it would go. All right, Amy, what do you <laughs> so where do you choices. land on if you had any like Pokemon as your starter? Well, I wasn't a big Pokemon person back in the day, so I don't really, I don't really. I'm, I'm sorry, I was just million seven moon. I'm sorry, uh, but so I don't know most of their names. But if I could, I would pick one which had the most leave me alone vibes. Do you remember when that is? Where they also had to be psychic as well. I don't care. Just leave don't me alone. Like do... that's, what, that's the vibe I leave want. Leave you alone. Leave me vibes. alone. <laughs> that's all. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that, that, that a, exists somewhere. A it's a lot question. of Pokemon. <laughs> Which one is that? Snorlax? Oh no! I would. I would. I would say <laughs> like a Zatu. So I think it'd be good because Zatu typically Sleepy. like. A Zatu or an Abra, because those are the both that like teleport away when you try to run up on them and catch them. Like, no, thank you. There Absolutely you not. I don't have time for this. Wait, <laughs> like, so, unless you have a Pokemon that's like fast enough, it's wait, just like, nope, oh, I'm out. I had the picture and I lost it. Damn it. <laughs> that might be. You know what? I'll one. say Abra. Yeah, that's that's one of them. But yeah, that's Zatu. And then I think, honestly, Abra Gen 1, because it has. Uh, a quick speed and it teleports away literally ninety percent of the time. I think that has good leave me alone. Like I'm not, I'm not down for this Pokemon battle. Please leave me alone. I'm out of here. And it's, and it's gone. Even in Arceus, if you're running around and Abra see, they all just teleport away. Like I'm not about to just do it with you right now. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> Abra. Oh wow. And that honestly puts you with I think a gym leader that is really interesting. Isn't that with um. The psychic gym leader in Generation One that was uh, oh, what's her face? She had the really creepy doll, Sabrina. Yeah, 
She like she had the creepiest Sabrina. Like, she had the creepiest cartoon oh, version of her whole thing of like, oh, you want to fight me? You're in my dollhouse Ooh, like now. You have to try to escape That's in order to me. have a gym battle. And there I was like, go. and Ash was like, I'm 11. What do you mean I'm in a haunted house? And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, no, 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 Ash. You have to solve my, you have to solve my angsty riddles and come find me. I think I'm bored with that. That works. There you go. I love it. I love it. Okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> ah, anything? Um, uh, other than that, this week, Marlon's Corner is going to be drifting over to Apple TV to for some streaming fair. shows. Um, yeah, I feel like I, I'm getting ready for the big switch oh, once what? Netflix starts doing a lot of weird things. So I'm getting used to, and I still have my six month <laughs> Apple TV subscription still active. So I have time. Uh, <laughs> So I'm reviewing a bunch of Apple TV shows and it's wild over there. They have True, a lot of good quality shows, but I'm guessing it's because like they're just they can just do that with that Apple money. So I'm currently watching that. Um and it's a lot of good shows like Severance, um, and uh a one about a reunion, murder mystery with uh a bunch of good mm. people in there. Uh and yeah, that's what I'm watching this far. And then maybe I'll watch some other stuff over there. Mm. Oh, I'm excited because I—it's pretty good. I, that's the app I do mm. not know most shows from. So whatever you Undo suggest Pete. will be noted and shared. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for keeping together and talk about all the wonderful things that we talked about. Listeners, thank you for making our show the show of your day and checking in what we had to say. Don't forget to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And yeah. our website, you can also find us on MySpace or Friendster. Or, on, we're on TikTok. Um, Such an awful. We're also on TikTok. You know, after 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 Elon Musk, I mean, Twitter, Tom has I mean, never failed space. us. Tom was like, I'm just going to give you a blank page. <laughs> you can do whatever you want to. HTML coding. Have fun, and they were like, "No, Tom, you're bored. We're gonna go over to Facebook. I learned, we're, we're, I that's where all the adults are at." Tom was like, "Thank you, Tom. All right." And now Tom's just chilling over in my space. Like, I, I mean, I'll be here when you when you want to come back. I'll be here. He was there. Didn't didn't Justin Timberlake buy it for like a oh music gosh. thing? And then this is about to be a migration back to MySpace. I'm for it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. did not know. I actually tried to. uh See if I could log into my, oh my, my MySpace. I was curious if it was still there. And you can't oh, even like, there. you can't even do that. There's like no direct email or like way to like reset your password. It's just like this, like just a vortex of time and space that you can't enter or exit. It's, it's kind of weird. I think they're like, listen, it's all gone. Yeah. Oh my god. They're like, no, no, it's gone. You're not going to find how am I supposed to see my top eight? But yeah, I, but yeah, Eming is right. In 2011, specific media group and Justin Timberlake jointly purchased the company for $35 million. Nothing. Yeah. They Nothing. purchased. Uh, it's, this and is, I think it's mostly what? music. It's a mostly a music spot Nothing. now, I think. It's going to be May. <laughs> uh, Justin Timberlake. Hi. Anyway. Oh, Lord. If we created MySpace, we'll, we'll let y'all know because we all had MySpace once in our life. I, I have a feeling. At least all of us. Um, 
until then, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, hydrate. Make sure to check out Waterworld in honor of Avatar 2 coming out this year and geek on. This episode of Quest On Media's Geek Force was produced in Richmond, California.